Thomas with Love is Blind, and I am getting cozy with Aaron today. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Getting Cozy with Aaron Hill, and we are continuing our Love is Blind series with Matt Thomas today. So we're going to welcome Matt. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Welcome. I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh my gosh, thank you for being here and be so willing to share your story with us. I cannot wait to have our listeners get to know you better. I want to get to know you better. I've heard such wonderful things. So Matt, let's talk about you before we jump into the show and how you got on there because we want to know that, of course, too. Can you kind of tell us your upbringing, where you were raised, a little bit about your childhood and just growing up to kind of get an inside peek into who you are? Absolutely, sure. Yeah, so my whole family is from the Philadelphia area. So my, my parents met in college, married young, didn't plan on me. I ended up ended up separating nine months into my life. So I, I was mostly raised by my single mom, and I, I still had a great relationship with my dad throughout my life, just didn't see him as much as either of us would have liked. And my mom was a management consultant, so kind of similar to a military rat <laughs> life. I, I was constantly moving from project to project with my mom, uh, which I, I actually loved. I just got in to see so many different cities at such a young age, uh, really planted a lot of seeds for exploration and adventure and resilience and all those things in, in me. Uh, but we did land in Atlanta, and I did all my high school years in Atlanta. So I went to Westminster here, and then after I graduated, I uh, went to University of Georgia. I came back to Atlanta for law school at Georgia State, and then I got into my career. Oh, my goodness. Well, I was talking to Wesley about this. You know, I went to the University of Florida, so we are definitely enemies, <laughs> sports-wise. <laughs> but we can be friends for the next few minutes. <laughs> right. It'll be fine. Yeah, we'll put that aside. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've actually um, I, I've been hosting a, a Georgia Florida tailgate for the last six years called SEC Excursions. We have 3,500 UGA students that we bus from St. Thomas Island to Jacksonville. Oh, and, wow. and for those that don't know what, what the Georgia Florida rivalry is, they call it the largest cocktail party on earth. Uh, and, and we meet in a neutral city in between our two schools. Uh, and you know, half the stadium is red and black. The other half is blue and orange. Super, super fun. Oh my gosh, um, that sounds so, like a blast. Oh yeah, love my college years, and that's a way to to get at least a weekend out of the year to have a little bit of fun. Tell us about your career. So you said um, after that you started pursuing your career, which is in the field of yeah. So I decided not to become a lawyer, and instead I went into technology startups. So um, I joined a, a software as a service company called SalesLoft. I was a product manager over there. And then I was the first hire, uh, the seventh full-time employee at a, a company called Rody, uh, which is similar to Uber, but instead of transporting people, we transported packages. So I really loved kind of getting my, my entrepreneurial master degree. I, I never wanted to be at these companies long-term. I wanted to learn from entrepreneurs uh, while I was young and uh, try to... <laughs> um, learn some of the mistakes they've made so I don't have to make the same ones. And, and, and that, those were great educations for those two companies. But the whole time I was, I was in those other companies, I was still running my, my college passion project, uh, kind of like a hobby turned career, um, called Brawl for a Cause. So what we do is we do charity boxing events, but instead of boxers, it's all first-timers who sign up to fight for a charity that they personally believe in. So 
they pick a cause that has affected them, affected their family, affected a, a community that they're a part of. And they say, okay, I'm going to train for 60 days. I'm going to learn how to defend myself, learn how to throw a punch. And all the while, I'm going to be raising funds and awareness for this thing that's close to my heart. And everyone that donates and buys tickets gets to come to our big brawl for a cause event and watch their friend get punched in the face for what they believe in. <laughs> that's awesome for a good cause. I love it. Super fun. Yeah, the, the events are black tie, open bar, casino games. There's live entertainment. So even if boxing isn't your thing, it's a really fun environment, great people. Uh, lots of attractions. Uh, you need to bring this to the West Coast, Matt. Can we um, can we talk offline about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd love to. We're we're actually we're getting into virtual events, given everything that's happening with quarantine and all that, and and we've wanted to do live stream pay per views and, and a more active YouTube channel for a while. So this is a really good opportunity to start to shift into that kind of content. Oh, for sure. Someone told me that you are a chess boxer. Is this right? It is, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a newer sport. It was created in 2003, but it's a hybrid between the board game chess and the combat sport boxing. So what you do is you alternate rounds between the two until there's checkmate or knockout. Oh, my gosh. I have never heard of anything like that. So super unique. And you're one of 10 people in the country that does this? Uh, I, I, so the last two years I've gone to the world championship for chess boxing and each year I've had one teammate. So I, I guess there's been three of us total that wow. <laughs> from America that have gone over and competed in the, the world championship. Um, I, I do think there are more hobbyists in the United States than 10. I, I, I wish they would come to like tournaments and stuff, uh, with us, but yeah, the, the sport is still picking up steam here. It's biggest in Europe and Asia. So the largest chess boxing organization in the world is India. Uh, they have a couple hundred members. And then it started in Europe, based in Berlin. London has a really big chapter. Paris has a really big chapter. Interesting. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice international community, but it's still very niche. Kind of, you know, everyone kind of knows everyone. You know? <laughs> So maybe competitively, you're like one of ten. Let's say that. <laughs> you're sure, you're kind yeah. of a big deal, Matt. Goodness. I didn't win the world championship this year, but my first year competing in 2018 in, in Calcutta, India, I ended up I ended up winning, and that kind of helped get the word out a little bit more in the states and helped the awareness grow for the event. And I, I do hope that in the near future, people here have an appetite for it because I love to bring chess boxing events here, just with, with my background in promoting. Charity boxing events. I think uh, I think we could have some fun with chess boxing too. Oh, for sure. Well, that is incredible. Wow. So, how the heck would you get on a show like Love Is Blind? How did this happen? Probably similar to the other cast members that you've spoken with, or uh, I think they did most of their casting through Instagram and dating apps. And I'm I'm not on any dating apps. Uh, don't have anything against them. They're just not really my my thing. Uh, but I, I was reached out to through Instagram direct message, and uh, I said no. And then they, they kind of just kept coming back and uh, sharing more about the show. And, and when they shared that they wanted it to be the opposite of dating apps and kind of the answer to The Bachelor, and they told me that Netflix was behind it, I got intrigued. What hooked me was when they shared the ethos of the show, which was, could human connection occur without physical appearance being part of the equation? So could you connect with someone solely based off of past experiences, core values, and 
and visions of the future. And, and that sounded like a really interesting experiment that I wanted to be a part of. And to my knowledge, it's the first time something like that has been done, uh, especially, you know, with cameras everywhere. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Um, it was an opportunity to be the part of a first group of something that I think will continue on and, and be big. I, I know season two was recently announced, so I think they're going to keep going with this concept. And it was also an opportunity to learn how reality TV and content creation works at the highest level. You know, Netflix is the, the industry leader in all this. And, and with Brawl for a Cause, we have natural human stories unfolding every single year where these normal, everyday people that have never boxed before sign up to fight for something that's super scary and they go through this whole journey and it, it, it's basically prime for reality TV so I, when I signed up for the show I was open to finding love but I didn't really think it was going to work out Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, was, I was also going on to learn reality TV network with producers and, and get exposure for, for Brawl for a Cause Oh, interesting. And initially, why did you say no? Did you think it was just going to be another reality TV show that you'd heard of, you know, The Bachelor, or Love Island, or something like that, like the just a traditional reality TV show? Uh, yeah, I mean, truthfully, I, I don't watch much TV, and I, I certainly don't watch any reality TV. I, I've had a few friends apply me for The Bachelor in the past, and, mm. and as casting has gone on, I, I'm just kind of like stopped <laughs> responding it's just, it's just not my thing I never thought I would do anything like this so yeah. um, this one was was different enough though it was it was intriguing enough it aligned with what we wanted to do with the nonprofit, and uh, it was an it was a super interesting social experiment that I, I saw a lot of value in and, and I wanted to be a part of oh yeah for sure and to be the first like you said like the guinea pig of a new experiment is very exciting so how long was the process to get vetted and all of the um, tests and things like that? I've talked to a few of your former contestants, and they were saying it ranged from like a month to like five or six months. Did it take you very long to get through that process? Yeah, I think I was kind of on the tail end of casting. Like I, I heard some other people say they had been talking to Kinetic or, or Kinetic with the production company that did this show for Netflix. So they, they were talking to Kinetic for you know, six months or something, which is crazy. I, I think they started talking to me about a month out from from filming. And I was actually abroad when they were casting me. I, I mean, I, I found out I got a spot on the show after the Indian World Championship for chess boxing. So I was already in India. I was going through these Skype interviews based on a different, uh, a different like, time zone, like the complete opposite. It was 12 hours off. After this World Championship experience, I decided to live in Thailand for about two months. And, and I guess that like two month period was when I was talking to Kinetic. So it was mostly through Skype and through personality tests that they sent me online. And there, there's a pretty rigorous vetting process and a lot of, a lot of interviews, a lot of personality tests. I think they probably know more about me than I know about myself <laughs> at this point. Um, and I, I think they put people together that were likely to to get along and to, to have interesting moments and conversations. And I think that came through on the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. You could tell they took a lot of time in selecting you guys. And after speaking with, you know, the other people on the show, it just sounds like they really were very thorough, <laughs> very thorough and just made sure you guys were the perfect fit. It's not surprising that it was so successful in the end. So Tell me about that first day when you show up. How are you feeling? What was the atmosphere like, the environment? 
all of those things because we obviously weren't there to see or feel that. So um, kind of tell it through your eyes. <laughs> it, was, it was strange. So the, the first day actually wasn't a filming day. We, we show up. Um, they, you know, they take our phones, take our laptops. Like we, we were completely unplugged from everything for the duration of the experiment. And that ended up being a really big blessing because we had no distractions. We were, we were there for a, a single purpose. We, we had a one track mind of we're going through these rounds of dates with the intention of connecting with someone that, that we feel strongly enough about to propose to through a wall to. And, uh, and so they, they gave, basically gave us the overview of what we would be doing and the schedule would look like. And, it, we, we introduced ourselves to each other and kind of got our last <laughs> full good night of sleep mm-hmm. um, before the first day of filming. And, and we show up, they mic'd us up, they let us know how the mics work, and we got really familiar with those over the course of the next two weeks. And, and then we were told that we were going to walk through a door and meet Nick Lachey and start the experiment. And I was like, what, what is my life? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's about to happen here? It's so strange. You know, that happened kind of, it was everyone's really kind of first time being on any sort of set or on camera and all very, you know, real people. And so we were all probably a little uncomfortable that first day. I know I was just walking in and, and uh, meeting everyone again <laughs> for the first time. And, yeah. um, and then, uh, and then, you know, having our, our little orientation talk and then the pods opening up, it was all, it happened really fast and we're all into it. You know, it started and we drove all the way in. Oh, my gosh. And I've been hearing that first day you had 15 dates. Had you in the past dated a lot or just kind of here and there? Was it a priority for you? Um, I'm much more of a, a long-term relationship kind of guy. So okay. First girlfriend and I dated for three and a half years and then year and a half and then six months and then two and a half years are kind of like my, my serious relationships all kind of one after another. And I had been dating a little bit before the show, but it wasn't a priority in my life. I'd, I'd say it wasn't something that I was, that was my main focus. I, I was definitely more focused on getting to know myself and, and, and getting to know how I tick and exploring the world, exploring myself, uh, focusing more on career. I, I always kind of saw like partnership as, as for something on my, frontal lobe is fully developed and um you know I, I i know who i am and what i'm looking for mm-hmm. rather than diving into something early because i think i saw that play out with my parents and i, I didn't want to have that same kind of story in my life yeah that makes sense so that first day when you had all those dates did anybody stick out to you this is the thing like you're having 15 dates i know they're not back to back you guys are having breaks in between but how did you keep track of everyone? I mean, that is insane. No one really has had 15 dates in one day before. I am sure. That's just not normal. Unless you're like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, <laughs> then you've had 30 dates in one day. But, you know, other than that, I mean, how did you keep track of all of those women? Yeah, so, so we had journals. And, I, you know, my, my, my life, my nonprofit, everything is built around um, – people and transformation and, and story. So the people that stuck out to me the most were the people that shared elements of, of their story with me and how they changed and who they've become. And, and those are the people that ended up getting ranked highest on my list. So we only had one day of 15 days. There were seven minutes each, so we only had one question to fire back and forth to really get to know each other. Okay. So my, my question on day one was, you have a plane ticket to anywhere. Where do you go and, and what do you pack? 
Oh, I love it. So, yeah, digging into where they want to explore, what draws them to a certain kind of place, what's important enough to them to, to put into their, their bag uh, and bring. It, it's usually pretty telling about someone. And the only real person that stuck out on day one was, was Danielle. And uh, Danielle was top of my list from day one all the way through the experiment. We, mm. we connected immediately. And her answer was, was Costa Rica. I lived in Costa Rica for a year. The community that I lived in there is, is very close to my heart. And, and Danielle kind of had a similar, a similar experience, a similar story. We'd, we uncovered later that uh, we, we'd been to a lot of the same places around the world. And we had very similar interests. She, she's a yoga instructor. I'm, I'm a yoga instructor. She works in the event industry. I do too. She's done some modeling. I've done some modeling. And all of it is really parallel. And so we, we had so much common ground and, and shared experience that conversation was the easiest with her. I immediately felt at home. Oh my gosh, that is awesome to have to be in a situation where you have you're talking to so many people and have that instant connection that must have felt so good and so real to you. At the end of the day, did you have like a top three or you were really just laser focused on Danielle? Yeah, so throughout the experience, like I I spent a lot of time, like, like I already said, exploring the world, exploring myself, and, and, and I know what, what fits for me. And, and so the other connections really paled in comparison to Danielle. So mm. fairly early on in the experiment, I, I was telling all my other dates, hey, would love to continue getting to know you, uh, but I, I see this as a friendship because I, I really have fallen for Danielle. Oh, wow. And so you're, you're welcome to keep prioritizing me if you see this as a friendship and you're interested in someone else. And, and that's what ended up happening. Is, um, Lauren and Cameron paired up pretty early, and I was good friends with Cameron on the show, and I, I was talking to Lauren every day, and we were getting along really well, but it wasn't a romantic kind of thing. Okay. And so Lauren was actually uh, one, one of the people that I dated all the way until the, the last day. And so, like, it, it was, was kind of like that, like, Lauren and I could go in there and talk about anything. There was no pressure. We could talk about Cameron. We could talk about Danielle. And, and those were my other dates. I, I really didn't have anyone else on my mind as I was going through the experience. Okay. As you're kind of thinking Danielle is the one and you're going on and knowing there's like an end date, you know, of where you need to make this decision. It was 10 days, right? And then on the ninth day, you have to either propose or leave the show. Is that kind of the premise? That's right. Yeah. So... We, we go through these rounds of dates. Many of the days were, were themed. So there are no requirements. There, there was never producers like feeding us lines or telling us we had to say a certain question or, or an answer. Uh, but there were recommendations of, hey, if you want to get to know someone deeply, here's a theme for the day. Maybe it's, it's childhood and upbringing. Maybe it's career. Maybe it's sex or, or finances or belief systems like religion or politics. They would have these themed days and these sample questions that you could use, and it was basically permission to ask these really big, scary questions that hmm. I, I never would normally ask early on in a, in a new connection. Like, if we're, if we're on a first date, I'm not asking you about your relationship with sex or, or how you manage your finances. Right. You know, th those are kind of like later on in, in my mind, but what I learned through the show is they don't have to be. And, and I think one way I've changed since the show is Anyone that I, I date or, or connect with, even in a non-romantic way, I, I show as much of myself to them as soon as I can. 
just to save both of us a lot of time. Hey, here's here's who I am. Here's what I'm about. Here's what I believe in. I, I want to know the same about you and see if this is a fit. And if it's not, then great. You know, you're a good person. I'm a good person. Let's go out into the world and be good people. We don't have to be together to do that. But, you know, it, in some cases, like like in Danielle and in my case, it, it does fit. And, and Danielle and I went very deep, very fast, and both felt a serious connection. But the, the intriguing part <laughs> with Danielle was she felt the same thing for someone else in the house. And, and that someone else is actually my, my best friend uh, since day one, which in retrospect isn't too surprising because this guy and I are very similar people and similar passions, similar interests. And so it, it makes sense that we both fell for the same girl and that she developed feelings for, for both of us as well. Well, I'm glad you brought up being so open and honest early on when you're meeting someone. As a former dating coach, I always tell my clients, you know, that you do want to show as much of yourself as you can, even on that first date. And the thing is, is if it's the right person, you're not going to scare them away. On my first date with my husband, when I shared with him that I wanted to have children in two to three years, I knew that was kind of a scary thing to say and that I kind of had a timeline. But I was so glad that I did because I basically said, if you're not on board with that, you know, this can be our first and only date. We can be friends, that's fine, but I'm looking for my husband and a father to my children. And he wasn't scared because he was the right guy. So that is a really important message to send to anyone who's single who is dating. You know, don't let it be fluff for, for months. It Get to the get to the core, nitty-gritty stuff, you know, right away. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah, and I, I think the first part of that is really getting to know yourself. If, if you don't know what you want, you can't share that kind of stuff with someone else. Exactly. Because you haven't shared it with yourself yet. So I think a certain degree of self-work is important before going out and trying to find that life partner. I think a certain degree of spending time putting yourself in, in uncomfortable situations, traveling, being in front of a blank page and, and journaling about your, your thoughts, your feelings, your fears, uh, who you are, how you've grown, uh, all of that is super important work to do before you can walk into that first date experience and know, hey, I want to be a mom. And the window that I want to be a mom in is, you know, in the next two to three years, and I'm really looking for a partner that can team up with me on that. Right. And it's clear that you had done that work on yourself before you walked into that experience, and so you were prepared, and, and then your husband had too. Yeah. That's Beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yeah, 100% agree. Getting back to what was happening in the pods, was Danielle kind of, we all know, you know, because um, hopefully at this point they've listened to Danielle's uh, story, but we all know that the other person involved was Rory. Did Danielle tell you that it was your best friend, Rory, that she was kind of torn with you and Rory? So actually, Danielle and I really didn't talk about Rory much okay. at all. I found out because Rory was talking about his dates pretty outwardly on the guy side of the house. Mm. So I knew pretty early on that Rory was into Danielle, like that she was his first choice. And I wasn't talking about any of my dates. I, I think Rory was kind of similar with this, but I didn't drink alcohol at all. I just kind of faked it. Um, <laughs> I just, it was, it was a commitment I made to myself at the beginning of the show that I just didn't want to do that while going through the experiment. And so that was one promise I made to myself. The other promise I made was, I knew that all these guys that were living together were dating the same girls and that there's inherent drama there. <laughs> like you're, yeah. you're all going after the same kind of dating pool. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to ask a lot of open-ended questions. I'm going to deflect as much as possible in terms of 
talking specifically about who I'm developing connections with and, and, and just try to avoid any, any potential colliding or, or competition around the, the dating portion. We're already going through a, a challenging experience. We didn't need to make it more challenging by developing competitions or, or enemies in the guy's side of the house. So I, I found out before Rory and Danielle, I, I guess Danielle knew, but wasn't talking about it. Uh, but I found out before Rory did it that, that we were both really into Danielle. And so actually one day uh, after filming with them, I went to Rory's room and I, and I brought it up to him. So kind of behind closed doors without mics, we, we talked out what was probably going to happen, uh, which, which is what ended up happening, which is that they revealed who was dating who and where people were on, on each other's list. And I, I thank God that we had that conversation before it happened real time on camera <laughs> because yeah. we were able to, to flesh it out and, and talk about it and connect deeply on, on how we wanted to proceed with this, which is Rory and I made the decision not to be on Team Matt or Team Rory but instead to be on Team Danielle and, and show her as much of ourselves as we could and paint a vision of what the future could look like with each one of us and then let her decide. And, and we made a promise to each other to support whatever decision that Danielle would make. We, we wouldn't let anything come between us. We shook on it, and I'm really proud of how both Rory and I handled ourselves through the rest of the experiment after that conversation. I'm glad you all talked too, because yeah, that would have been much harder, I'm sure, had you not know, you know, where he was coming from, how he didn't know where you were coming from. So that day, the proposal day, potential proposal day, how did that day go with Danielle? So I, I will share this. I, I'm doing a blog series on my experience in the show. So we're actually about to get to proposal day on this and tell you the story and then maybe people can check it out if they want a little bit more detail For sure. on the writing side. Yeah, proposal day, Rory was pretty dead set that he was going to propose. And and I was torn. I had developed feelings for Danielle. I, I felt love for her and, and expressed that through a wall, which I never thought was possible or or at least thought that I, I was not going to be feeling that type of thing or expressing it. So really surprised myself. And, and so I was like, you know, maybe, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should go for it. And the more that I thought about it, the more I was like, no, you know, like, if I said this through a wall right now, feeling how I feel, I would be saying it with a part of who I am, but not all of who I am. Like, I, I have only heard her voice. And even though I've gotten to know, who, like, what her soul's like through this experiment and through this, these talks, I don't, I don't fully know her. And, and so if I, if I proposed, it wouldn't be as sincere as I would like. And so on proposal day, when I walked in, I, I told her, hey, this is a proposal day. Everyone else is proposing marriage. That's not what I'm going to propose. I, I think we should get a one-way plane ticket to somewhere in the world and start a, a lap around the globe together. I, I want to explore you through exploring the world. I, I want to experience you not just with my ears, but I want to see you, smell you, taste you, touch you. I, I want to make sure if I say forever to you that I mean it with all of who I am, that it isn't just because we're on some experiment and, someone else's timeline and caught up in groupthink or whatever else. I, I wanted it to be real. I wanted to take it to the real world. So I proposed that we walked out of the facility together that day and started our life together. Wow. I mean, it makes sense. It really makes sense. You know, and you want to be true to who you are. How did she take that? She had developed feelings for two guys. So there was a part of her that wanted to come and, and she said some very nice things, and she 
she ended up breaking down and, and crying and, and telling me that there's a part of her that told her that she wanted to continue this experiment and she wanted to see where it went with Rory. And, and I understood. And, and it was my first, it, it was my first opportunity to not just talk the talk about if I wasn't chosen being Rory and Danielle's friend and supporting that decision. And so I, I knew that I, I wanted to stay true to my word. And, and so the end of our proposal day date, I, I, I told her that um, I, I'd see them on the other side and I'd see them as a friend. And, mm. and I told her goodbye. And I had my exit interview with, with Nick Lachey. And, and he asked me something. He asked me how I felt knowing that there were going to be critics that said that we couldn't possibly fall in love through a wall and that I, I couldn't possibly feel the way that I felt knowing that a girl that I love chose my friend over me. And, and he asked me what I would say to those critics. And there's something that we start out every Brawl for a Cause training journey with. There's a quote, and it's by FDR, and it's called the Man in the Arena quote, and it goes like this. It's, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who errs and falls short, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, who actually strives to do the deed, who knows great enthusiasms and great devotion, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the end is the triumph of high achievement, and if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. Yet his place is not with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And so my last words on the show were that quote. I said, thanks, Nick. And mm. five minutes later, I was in an Uber on my way home. Oh, my gosh. So you did not see her later that day? No, and actually Rory didn't either. Proposal day was on a separate day from reveal day. So everyone that got engaged went to bed that night not knowing what their fiancé looked like. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh, my gosh. So you knew that Rory was going to propose. You were pretty I did. sure. Yeah. Right. And But you didn't yeah, know what yeah, Danielle would say. He had been very direct with me. We had constant check-ins throughout the show just to keep open communication lines, to keep that foundation in trust. Yeah. So he, he told me straight up what his plans were. That's so crazy. Um, but so what happens because <laughs> Danielle said that was not the end of your relationship. So – you know, fast forward to after they get engaged, that doesn't work out. You guys reconnect a few months later, right? It was a few days later. A yeah. few days so, later. Yeah, so the, the day after proposal day, they get cut from the show. So more people get engaged than Netflix expects, and they can only follow so many stories. So they chose not to follow Rory and Danielle. And so the, the day after that, all the cast members that got cut that weren't going to Mexico all decided to meet up at a bar uh, to meet each other for the first time in Atlanta. And I decided to go, even though I was, I was terrified to go. Was, uh, you know, I, was gonna, I knew I was going to be seeing Rory and Danielle together. Yeah. And sure enough, they walked in. Danielle was wearing a ring. They were touchy-feely mm. and kissing and all those things. And, and it was another opportunity for me to walk the walk and fight the fight and and be their friend. So I, I walked up to Danielle and held up my hand. I said, hey, I'm your friend, Matt. And it was our first time meeting. Oh, my gosh. Legs were weak and a lot of emotions running through me. And she knocked my hand away and gave me a big hug. 
and that felt really good. And and I went up and I hugged Rory too. And I was like, I can't believe we got through all this. Can't wait to hear what happened, you know, after I left. And uh, I talked to Rory for most of the night and, and the other guys, really, but I didn't really interact with Danielle until I went to leave. She stopped me before I left and she said, hey, we really need to talk. I said, okay, what, what do we need to talk about? She said, we can't talk here, but I'm about to go on a trip. And when I get back, let's, let's get together. I said, okay. And I didn't know this at the time, but uh, Danielle was going on a trip with Rory. They were going to go to Miami to see if all this was real and if it, if it would work. Mm-hmm. And in my head, when I left that night, I was like, this is a done deal. Like, they're together. She's wearing her ring. They seem really happy. And so I, I knew that the best thing for me to do was, was to move on, not to hold on to these emotions that I developed for Danielle through this crazy experiment. And so the next day, I, I called a girl that I had met before the show while I was training for chess boxing. I met her at a chess tournament. She was from Serbia, so like the other side of the world. And we connected over this three-day chess tournament, but we couldn't really do anything about it. You know, we lived far away, and, and so we stayed in touch. We were friendly, but, you know, I hadn't taken any kind of romantic steps. And after I tell her about this experience of, you know, falling in love with through a wall and the girl picking my friend and all this stuff, so her, her only response was, so you're telling me you aren't engaged. I said, no, I'm not engaged. And she said, and she said let's do a trip. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah, let's go to Paris. And on the phone, the day after, you know, this bar experience with, with Danielle and Rory, she pulls out her laptop, books two flights to Paris, and, and books an Airbnb. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Like, moving on. And a few days later, Danielle comes back, and, and we meet up, and she's not wearing a wedding ring. And she, she tells me that she thinks that she made the wrong decision. Oh, my gosh. And that she wants to see where this would go. And, you know, I, I look at her. I'm like, look, I, I, can't, I can't lie to you. There's two things here. One, there's definitely a part of me that wants to see what would happen here. But two, I'm going to Paris with another girl in six weeks. And, like, I need you to know that before we take any more steps here. She says, I understand. Do what you need to do. Have any conversations you need to have. But I'd like to to see if this would work. And so I, I go back to, to Lena, the, the Serbian girl. I, I give her a call and I tell her what had happened. And she said, are, are you going to regret coming to Paris if you don't see what happens here? And I said, I, I think I would. You know, I think it would always kind of be in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't want you coming to Paris with regret. So she she was like, do what you need to do. And, and so I went back to Danielle and I was like, let's, you know, let's give this a shot. And so that's what we did. We took a few trips together. We went up to, to Philadelphia to meet my family. We went to New York to visit my sister. We spent a lot of quality time together in Atlanta doing hikes and yoga and, and really had an amazing time together. But I, I don't want to speak for Danielle, but I, I do think that this feeling was mutual, that we had this amazing connection, but we were so similar. We're, we're almost identical people. It was like talking into a mirror when mm. we were on the show. And, and even afterwards, it was like, this is like a female version of me. And I think what I learned through my time with Danielle is that as amazing as it is to have someone that connects on so many levels, that is interested in so many different things, that has the same perspective on a lot of life's most important components, I think the partner that I'm looking for is more of a counterbalance, more of mm-hmm. someone that's a very different perspective that can challenge me, uh, that, that has shared interests, but, but a different mindset. And I think as we got closer to that kind of like Paris departure date, we both kind of felt that this was maybe always intended to be a friendship. And so we had 
some direct, honest, deep conversations about that and, and decided to, you know, after Paris, to give each other a little time and space to kind of reflect on, on what this is. And, and after, after that trip and after I came back to Atlanta, we met up a, about a month later and talked around and said, you know, we, we both probably need a little bit of time to heal and, and reflect on all this and, and internalize it. But that we thought that we could be friends after that. And, and it took a few months. And, and now, I mean, we, we talk regularly. We've done yoga together before the quarantine stuff. We were doing it uh, at least weekly and, and sometimes more. Um, so she's turned into a really close friend and mm. someone that I went through this crazy experience with that I really can't replicate. Like, I can't have that kind of connection or experience with anyone else ever again, probably. Yeah, <laughs> so no. I, I'm really grateful to, to have been a part of the experience and, and to make friends with Rory and Danielle and and that we were able to navigate this whole emotional roller coaster and still come out of it able to be friends and, and not hate each other. <laughs> so Yeah, that I, is amazing. Think, <laughs> yeah, and I'm really proud of that. And, and I love both of them. And I, I have this great community of, of cast members now where we, most of us have stayed friends. And uh, overall, it's a really positive experience. I just have to say, I, I am so impressed with both of your characters. I mean, to be able to be so mature and just know yourself to your core, to know what you need and to be mature enough to explore that and still have a friendship. I mean, that is incredible. That is like something you should be very proud of. And I'm happy that you guys are friends because you do have so much in common and you have that common bond that resulted from, you know, being in the experiment together. So, and I know from hearing from her that she doesn't regret anything and that it was a wonderful experience for her too. So she has nothing but good things to say as you about her. And it just makes me so happy to hear that. And for you to finally share that story, everybody needs to hear that. It's just, it's a beautiful story that you guys have. And no, it didn't result in, in a love story happily ever after like that, but the friendship that you have, you'll probably have forever. And I think that's just just as beautiful as a love story. Well, so. I think that's the part to highlight. And and the reason why I'm, you know, I'm really not a big part of the show. Not, none of us are. Me, Rory, Danielle, you know, Rory is kind of like a life coach on the show, which is great. I mean, he gives great advice and, and should be in that kind of position. But the, the reason why I'm taking these interviews and telling this story is I, I think it's important for people to know that a relationship isn't necessarily a failure if it doesn't end in, in marriage. Marriage doesn't have to be the be-all, end-all goal. What, what the goal can be is spending a beautiful chapter together, right. learning about ourselves, and, and moving forward in a positive way. You can retain these people in your life. You don't have to have this fiery, horrible breakup mm -hmm. um, and, and then never be able to talk to this person that you once loved again. You can... Just be honest and direct about how you're feeling and have consistent conversations about where this is going and know if it's going the, you know, the direction that you both wanted to go, if it's like a marriage direction, or if it's not. And if it's not, not putting the expectations of the future on the present, not having that anxiety of, oh, well, uh, she drinks coffee and I don't know if I want to be married to a coffee drinker. Well, you could just be present in a relationship and enjoy a chapter of, coffee and being with a coffee drinker and mm -hmm. being still in coffee drinker with any any other kind of personal mm -hmm. attribute right. but just like live through that experience understand what that means to, to you and to her and and just treat every everything like a classroom and everyone like a teacher and and I think Danielle and I were great teachers for each other and mm -hmm. and I, I hope that this story may, maybe opens up a, a mindset to 
for, for other people to be able to hang on to some people that they love and, and not have to go separate directions without ever speaking again. Well, it has for me, if I could only tell my 20-year-old self, you know, this information. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But I just, I love your story so much. And I'm so glad that you're able to share it with me and hopefully the world. You know, we'll try to, to put this out there to as many people as we can. And your stories deserve to be told. So, Matt, I cannot thank you enough for the time. But not only just your time, just being so open and honest about what you went through, being so vulnerable. You're an amazing person. You know, I've only spoken to you for about 45 minutes, but know um, that you are. And you're going to find that perfect person for you. And you know that, you know, I don't have to tell you that. But I'm just, I'm proud of the person that you were through this whole entire experiment. And um, I'm just honored to have been able to chat with you about it. Thanks so much for for the opportunity, for the space to to share and and for all your, your questions. And yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening um, to this episode with Matt. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did uh, recording it. And as always, stay safe and stay cozy. Bye. 